Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We've been just doing some kind of low-key, low laid-back shows, just talking about some of our own experiences in pastoral ministry. Uh, hopefully this has been helpful for our listeners to get to know us a little bit, get to know a little bit more about pastoral ministry. Our our intent is just to, to let the guard down a little bit and lift the veil and um, just allow our, our listeners to get to know us a little bit better. We regret that Josh Bales has not been with us in, in this initial part of the journey. Hopefully he'll get better and be able to join us in the next little bit. But um, as we continue on this, Something that I, I, I'm curious about, especially because you guys have been in pastoral ministry um, much longer than I am, um, though I'm not a young pop, um, I spent the majority of my adult life in another vocation. I was a teacher for 15 years. I've only been in pastoral ministry for seven and a half years, so um, only a third of my adult life has been in pastoral ministry. That is not the case for you guys. So I am curious, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you initially started in pastoral ministry? Hmm. My, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm still learning uh, even now, you know, in terms of pastoral ministry. I think there's, a, there's you never arrive. That's the one, the one of the things I think that you realize yeah. after you've been in it. You, there is no arrival point. You keep growing. You keep ministering in that. I do remember um, helpful uh, things along the way. Um, one of them was a, a book by Kent Hughes that uh, was uh, titled Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome. And, um, you know, I'd read it early on in my first uh, ministry. Uh, Kent Hughes uh, was one of these. He, he, he fit the profile of a charismatic leader. They were going to send him to a church plant. Uh, he was going to go in. It was going to be big and wonderful and grow, and it turned out to be an ultimate failure. Yeah. Um, Kent Hughes isn't an ultimate failure. Because, you know, I mean, he's, he's had successful ministries, written commentaries and that, but the one book that he wrote uh, really exposed um, – you know the nature of ministry. It was liberating ministry from the success syndrome, and he talked about what real success in ministry was: its faithfulness, its serving, its loving, its believing, its prayer, its holiness, its an an attitude. Um, you know, those are those are things that really make for success in ministry, rather than numbers. Yeah, I I think um, <clears throat> as I look back on. Uh, when I, when I started out in the ministry, and um, uh, I've been doing ministry since about 1980. I, I, I was ordained uh, in 1985. Um, and uh, what, I w- what I wish I had known back then w- was that it's not all on me. Mm-hmm. 
I, I put tremendous pressure on myself uh, to have a quote-unquote <coughs> su- successful church, mm-hmm. uh, which meant a growing church. Mm-hmm. And um, I you know, put uh, tremendous stress on myself, uh, on my family, um, I, 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 what I, if I could go back and, uh, instruct, g- give some advice to young Phil Moran, uh, my advice would be, Hey, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've, you've got a team and, uh, it's a matter, it's a matter of working together. Uh, it's a matter of supporting and loving one another. Um, it, it's a matter of shared vision, mm-hmm. and it's not all on you. Uh, there are there are dozens and dozens and uh, dozens of people in your church who are enthusiastic about, uh, and and they have their calling from God too, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they want to help you. They they want to be a part of this. Uh, so bring them in. Uh, it's it, it. The whole burden is not on you. I'm not sure if you guys feel this way with regard to pastoral ministry, but I've often said um, when I've been talking to my wife about my years as an educator that I felt this compulsion to go back and apologize to those that were some of my first students, those first couple of years that I wanted uh-huh. to go back in time and just tell them I'm sorry for all of the things that I've I, got, I got couple, wrong. I've got a couple <laughs> sermons like that in the back of my mind. I'm yeah, sorry for that yes. one. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And I and I I I guess one of the things that I learned is is kind of along with what Jonathan was, was saying was understand that as you begin, there's so much more that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you need to learn, and that's okay. Uh-huh. That it's a process. That God will continue to refine and grow and shape you and correct things that you you just didn't know or had gotten wrong. And, well, I can uh-huh. I can say from the years in ministry, uh, there you know if I if I look back at say the first ten years of my ministry, there's hardly a sermon I would repeat. <laughs> you know, but that's part of the growth and how you come to communicate with the people of God. Yeah, there's you grow. You've grown. I mean, because you're preparing several messages a week. You are in God's Word. This is what I said about you know the real privilege of being. In God's word, yes. Um, it, you know, on a regular basis, you know, people sometimes would, you know, the those on the other side, and I've been on the other side. There have been periods of time when I've been uh, out of ministry. You know, when I've been in between. Um, you know, years ago, I came. Years ago, I came to visit my father and ended up staying because he had cancer, and I got a job selling cars. You know, well during that period yeah. of time, I found I had a lot of liberty to read things just for me, uh-huh. but I didn't have a lot of liberty to share things with others. And uh, you know, there's a there. I realized how much I'd benefited from actually reading to share. To of 
of prepping those messages. And uh-huh. so I there's there's I'm I'm a different person than I was when I first started in ministry. I expect to be a different person in the years ahead. Yeah, you know, you were you were mentioning uh looking at old old sermons that you preached in your early years of ministry that you you, you think sometimes oh, you my, wince. <laughs> oh my word, you just wince. And there's there's one that stands out in my memory. Um, I preached a, a sermon. Uh, I'd been in the ministry a couple of years, and I preached a sermon a sermon on divorce, and it was devoid of grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I I thought it was I thought it was brilliant, and it was devoid of grace. And it, it, I look back on that sermon now, and I'm reminded of something, something that I once heard Chuck Swindoll say. Uh, he said, "The church is the only army in the world that shoots its own wounded." Yeah, I, I had a phrase like that in my back of my head. It was more like sheep only need sheared once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and I, I I wish I could go back now and and apologize to the people that heard that sermon, uh, but it, <coughs> it it was a learning experience, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I I I look back on that uh, with with regret, but it, it 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 shapes that experience now shapes the way that I preach and right. teach, mm-hmm. um, that I I always want to be. Just filled with grace and and communicating the grace of God. Those are questions that I ask myself even after a sermon. Did I preach good news? Yes. Was was you know I mean did I just give information or did I give good news? And Uh uh, you know there's a there's a you know you know I'm not telling what they wore in Sparta. I'm (laughs) talking about the fact that the the war was won by Jesus Christ. Um, There's and so there's so asking if that was good news. I think the things that I regret early on was you know there were certain theological inaccuracies you Mm -hmm. know that I've learned uh, Mm -hmm. growing. I don't you know this is one of the reasons why we we pray you know before we preach for uh, the illumination of God's word because I want I don't want people to remember necessarily the illustration I want them to ne- remember the content of God's word. Yeah, amen. You know, uh, just a few days ago I read something about RC Sproul, a uh, great um wonder, wonderful uh, teacher of course. And uh the thing that I read about him um was that when he, when he finished teaching or preaching, he would always ask his wife, not, was I good? Not, well, was, it, was I effective? Uh, when he got done teaching or preaching, he would always ask his wife, was I kind? Mm-hmm. Was I kind? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, uh, to me, uh, that's exactly the right question to ask. I think when you come out of seminary, you've just spent um, either three, four years, whatever your length of time in seminary is, you've learned all of these skill sets, um, sat through all these systematic theology classes, you've sat through biblical exegesis, Greek, Hebrew, homiletics, you name it, you're, you're immersed in all of this. 
And the temptation is when you first come out of seminary is to say, I've got this. I, I, I have all of these skills. Mm-hmm. I have been prepared for ministry. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a sense that you're vulnerable to self-dependency, especially initially in, in ministry. And I think one of the things I wish I would have known right away is that all of that training isn't actually what is the most essential. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the most essential is um, a dependency on the, the, as Jonathan was saying, on, on the spirit mm-hmm. um, and reliance upon the wisdom and understanding and knowledge that only God can give, the mm-hmm. illumination that only he can give, that right. all of the study can't make up for um, a lack of, of that. Right. That's that's correct, and even in uh, from the pew side, you know, you recognize that uh, you know spiritual things are going to be spiritually discerned. I can't, I can't preach to the smile or the frown. I can't, you know, I want to. I have to, and the relevancy of God's word is His word. I mean, it's you know, people haven't changed. God hasn't changed. Um, I'm. It's the same message. Uh, that's being presented, whether it's pre- presented in the 21st century or, you know, whether it was in the first century. And we see that if I go to if I go to the city of Corinth, I'm still preaching to the city of Boise. Mm-hmm. I think the story is that it's it was Spurgeon or it was Lloyd Jones. I can't remember which one. That as they approached the pulpit, as they walked up to it, they would say, "I believe in the Holy Spirit." Do you guys know which one that is? I don't. I don't remember which one. It sounds more like Spurgeon to me. Yeah, and and that's really the thing that I I, I wish I had known that I continue to know is I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that He will bless and anoint the work that mm-hmm. I've done in the week um, to be fruitful um, from the pulpit. Well, you've Amen. been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. <laughs>